Good to see each one of you here tonight. I'm glad you made it through Halloween and Reformation Day and uh, here in the house of the Lord. Boy, we've got a great group all over this place tonight, just praising the Lord for that. Turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 8 through uh, 15. I guess that thing fell off. That's why it's doing that. I wish I had a, a voice like Spurgeon that could preach to 4,000 and never have a microphone. <laughs> uh, but I don't. <laughs> uh, Colossians 2, and we'll look at verses 8 through 15, but I really just want to read verse, uh, verse 13, 14, and 15 there. And you will go back and pick these others up, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Father, thank you tonight how blessed we are uh, just to be part of your kingdom and to be part of this service tonight. And I pray, it's already been prayed before, that you'll bless everyone all over this campus that are meeting children, young people, preschoolers, choir, all of those that are meeting. Look, God, would you touch them? And Lord, tonight, would you save people in this, in this area tonight? And, and Lord, not only save people, but may you be an encouragement. May we leave this place uh, maybe once like never before that we've been free and set free uh, because of what you've done on the cross. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Donnie's already hit me up, said the ball game starts at 7. It does, but you cannot miss church and leave church to go to the ball game because I promise you God will make the Astros lose if you get up and you're thinking about that. So do not think about the ball game until we're over here. And there'll be plenty of time to, to pull for them after we're through here. Uh, boy, there's more in this chapter than you can shake a stick at. It was a custom of Rome when a man was adjudicated guilty, condemned for a crime, that if, if he were put in prison, they would take something and they would nail it to the prison door. It was called a certificate of death. And that's what they did with Jesus. Uh, that was all sarcasm when he said, King of the Jews, and, and, and nailed it up there. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, when, when a prisoner had that certificate of death, uh, debt up there, uh, unless they were for dying, and then it was death, but usually it would say certificate of debt. And when he had finished his term, uh, they would write across that, paid in full. And he would be able to leave and and, of course, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to get back into a system after you've already done something like that. But when he fulfilled his duty to the law, his debt was marked paid in full. It was given to the judge. It would have been notarized. He'd carry it with him. And if anybody would ever accuse him of that crime again, he could whip that thing out and say, oh, no, 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 it's paid in full. I've already done my time for this. And I've already paid for that time. Now, if, uh, it, what about a man that was guilty of a capital offense? 
They would take that uh, the offense that he had done and they would nail it to his cross above his head. And that's what they did with Jesus, uh, the, the Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews. It was all sarcasm there. The Romans would put on that cross what that individual had done. And then they crucified people openly. And of course, Jesus was claimed to be the, the king of the Jews. So uh, people would walk by and they would see that. And they would say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm never going to do that. I, I may do a lot of sin. I may have a lot of sin in my life, but I'm never going to do that. Now, it's, it was a gross time of, of death. And I know there are people today, I hear them all the time, and say, that's what we ought to do again. We ought to hang people out there on the courthouse square. And, and, uh, but, you know, come on, guys, that's just kind of cruel. It's true that probably if some of our people walked by and saw that, they would have a second mind about maybe committing some of those crimes. Uh, because here in America, uh, we pretty well, I mean, you know, unless it's somebody that just does something terrible. I mean, if you're in the government, the, the job to have is in the government. Because you can lie to anybody and you can uh, commit faults. Uh, it don't make any difference what you say. It can be fake news. It can be anything. If you're in the government, you're, you're all right. You're all right. And, of course, that's not the way it ought to be. But there was, from God's point of view, there's something else that was nailed to that cross, and that was God's holy law. It, it's, it's called here in the Scripture uh, the handwriting of ordinances in verse 14. He says he was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Uh, God's holy law was nailed there upon, uh, up from the heart and the mind of God on that cross. And you say, well, did, did Jesus break the law? No, Jesus didn't break the law. But he who knew no sin, God made him sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says. So Jesus was adjudicated guilty of breaking the commandments of law. Uh, it, it, one commandment, actually one commandment is as bad as breaking all the commandments. But he was adjudicated guilty of that so that we could go free. Now, for the, from God's point of view, this handwriting of ordinance was nailed on the cross. They thought he was dying for the sins against Caesar. That's what the Roman people thought. But what he was dying for was my sin and your sin against God. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't sin against Caesar. He took our place. And had to, let me tell you, if it would have been one of us up there on that cross, God would have just as well to hung up the law up there, the Ten Commandments, and said, he's guilty of this. But he couldn't do that with Jesus because Jesus was not guilty of any of that. He was completely uh, sinless there. So when Jesus died, it's kind of like a funeral today. Uh, it's tragedy, but yet at the same time, it's triumph. I mean, we, we sit around and mourn, and it takes weeks and months or whatever to get over it, but the, the bottom line is when, when that person breathes their last breath here, they're breathing their first breath in heaven. And I mean, it, it's tragedy for us, but it's triumph for them. I mean, I, some people have been saved 50, 60 years wanting to go to heaven. And so it, it becomes triumph even though it's tragedy. Now here in Jesus's, it was tragedy. It was one of the dirtiest deeds ever done. They lied on him. They abused him, misused him. And, and uh, uh, our sins were the, 
the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was our sins that did that. He died because of our sins. He willingly died. He had not sinned. Uh, And so on one hand, it's a tragedy. But on the other hand, for us, it's a great triumph. Because our sins can be forgiven now. We can be declared righteous before a holy God through Jesus Christ. And had he not done that, we couldn't be there. Now verse 13 says, You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinance, that's the law, that was against us, which was contrary to us. Now watch it. And took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. You say, well, Jesus was nailed to the cross by the Romans. Yeah, but Jesus himself nailed the law to the cross. Now don't get confused. While Jesus was the darling son of God, perfect, he also was being crucified. He himself was nailing something to that cross. And I was just, just, there are six things that are pointed out here in this scripture that Jesus nailed to the cross. Uh, and so I, I want us to do uh, mention these six things, and we're going to close in a little bit different way uh, than, than what we normally do. The first thing he nailed to the cross was a condemnation of sin. Condemnation of sin. Uh, verse 13, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. My sin, your sin, it was nailed to the cross. What does it mean? It means he paid my debt. It means he, he bore my punishment. He's taken away my sin. He's nailed it to the cross. And therefore, it was buried when Jesus was buried. It was in the God's, uh, grave of God's forgetfulness. And uh, Romans 8.1 says this. And incidentally, that's on the... Uh, if you do the app, it's on the notes in there. These scriptures are. Romans 8, 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, what he's saying here is, and boy, this, this, you need to get this. Now, don't miss this. What he's saying here, he's asking, asking a question, who can point the finger of accusation at me? Who can do that? Can one of you do that? Now, listen to me. He's not, listen, listen. He's not saying who is going to try to point the finger at you because the devil will try to point the finger at you. Other people will try to point the finger at you. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying here is, uh, has anybody, I mean, you know, well, I better not say that. I'm going to get in trouble there. Uh, What he's asking is not who will try to do it. What he's asking in this verse is, who is qualified to do it? See, you you can point the finger at others and say, oh, they did this, they did that. We can all do that all day long. But we may try to, but we're not qualified to. There's only one person qualified to point the finger at us, and that's God Almighty. And Jesus has already nailed our sins to the cross so that we stand before him completely justified. So there may be any number of people. I'm so thankful that when uh, uh, 
uh, Romans 8.33 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. It's, you've been justified by the death of Jesus on the cross because your sins were nailed to that cross. And he's given to you now a certificate of debt. And on that certificate of debt that's written in the crimson blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, paid in full, paid in full. We have that opportunity. We, that's ours. That's ours. There, uh, man, I want to tell you, this, this is a wicked world we live in. I, I know you already know that. I, I, uh, man, I'm just more amazed at it. With, with my aunts, all this stuff we're trying to clear up and everything. You know, uh, guys, I want to tell you, I, I, I look at some of these churches and I've kind of laughed it off. And, and, uh, but uh, our, our convention does a, uh, <clears throat> a foundational day where they'll come into a church and they'll write uh, free wills for anyone that wants them. And of course, you know, in that free will, when it's at the church, they're asking you to give a little bit to the church while you're doing that too. It's a, it's a thing. I mean, can you imagine if, if, if everyone who passed away uh, said, hey, I want a fourth of my estate or I want this X number to go to the local New Testament church? I mean, uh, nothing else you're going to do is going to count in life after you're dead. The only thing that's going to count is what you invested in the kingdom of God. But I want to tell you, it is a dog-eat-dog world. People crazy. People crazy. And you need to get done legally because it's just what, what uh, he's saying here. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking who's going to try to. Everybody in the world is going to try to point their finger out. But Jesus has already signed the deed Mark paid. See, he filled out the papers. He done all the work up front. And so uh, we need to do that in our lives also. Uh, the condemnation of sin was nailed to the cross. I, I want you to think about it. The worst thing you've ever done, the worst thing. Nobody knows anything about it. Your wife probably don't know anything about it. Husband doesn't know anything about it. But the worst thing you have ever done in your life, nailed to the cross. No condemnation. The worst thing you've ever done. See, sometimes we got an idea to say, well, I'm, I'm saved now, uh, and uh, I, I, I can go on and do whatever I want to. Uh, no. See, for the child of God, when we're saved and we sin and we refuse to repent, God chastises us. I think he can shake us a little bit, and some will say, whoo, that's all I need right there. But some he has to get a little rougher with, and I'll tell you, if he needs to, he can lay you flat on your back where all you can do is look up straight in the air. He can do all that. He's got the resources to get and to keep our attention. But all our sin has been nailed to the cross. No sin. No, I don't even know what iota means. But no, I've always heard it all my life. But not one iota of sin can be a, uh, put on my charge because Jesus has nailed my sin to the cross. Wow. Second thing is, uh, he nailed the curse of the law. Uh, condemnation of sin, but the curse of the law. Verse 14 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now, the, 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 uh, the law is good. God's holy law is without blemish, without fault. But listen, because we're sinners... The law becomes a curse to us. 
If that law wasn't there, nobody could prove we sinned. But the law is there. So it's holy, it's wonderful, it's without blemish. But boy, for, to, the, to the sinner, that law is a curse to us. Because anything we try to, that law sticks out to us. He took the handwriting of ordinances, verse 13 says, that was against us. Galatians 3.10 says, As many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continued not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. It's written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Wow. When Jesus became a curse, he, he never did anything wrong. He stretched out himself on that on that hellish cross there and it was made a curse for us and in the midst of it he redeemed us he removed the curse of the law from us now i'll tell you that's exciting that's exciting people say well i'm just going to keep the ten commandments that's my religion well i would tell you if that's your religion you're going to hell because you're not going to keep the ten commandments you're not going to keep eight commandments you're not going to keep five commandments I mean, and honestly, the Bible says if you've broken one, you're guilty of breaking all of them. So it really doesn't matter how many you keep. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. The Bible says whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all, James 2.10. Those who are struggling and trying to get into heaven by their own good works, let me tell you, you can just forget it. You can forget it. You don't need to be, now you need to be working for the Lord, but it does not need to be working for your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift already bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so you ought to be working, but you ought to be working because of what God has already done for you, rather than working to try to get what God has already done for you. So uh, according to the law, I deserve uh, destruction and hell but Jesus became the curse for us, and he took that law, and uh, he had every reason to cast every one of us into that place of torment, but he nailed it to the cross, and therefore I'm freed from trying to save myself by good works. I don't have to worry about good works anymore. I don't have to worry about that. Then he nailed the charms of this world, charms of this world. Verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, this world will try to charm you. This world will try to entice you. Uh, it, it's, <laughs> this world is like a filthy harlot trying to draw you away from Jesus Christ, doing everything it can. When we say world... We're not talking about planet Earth, and we're not talking about people. We're talking about an ungodly system that's against the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 15 and 16 says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now listen, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, it doesn't mean because we love the world that the Father is not in us. It's a little play on words here. What it means is that we love the world because the love of the Father is not in us. Mm. 
Now, get those notes and go home and study that a little bit. There is a big difference in it. Some say because we love the world, the Father won't, won't come in and love us. That's not true. He died on Calvary for sinners. He will. But it means we love the world because the love of the Father is not in us. We're trying to say it is. We're trying to do things to make people think it is. But the love of the Father is not in us. If we love the Father as we ought to, th this world would have no appeal to us. I'm talking to the preacher tonight. If we love the Father like we ought to, this world wouldn't appeal to us. Nothing in this world. And yet, we, we've come to the place where literally the church wants to become like the world. I mean, everything in the church is geared toward, uh, you know, if the world says it's a success, then bless God, we've got to do it too to make it a success in the church. Well, that, that, that's just selfish pride. But all of this world is nailed to the cross Galatians 6, 14, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, by whom? Listen, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Jesus, when he died, nailed sin to the cross. He nailed the law to the cross. And the Bible says the world was crucified when Jesus died because he took the charms of this world and the pull of this world, and therefore we can glory in the cross because he took the charms of this world away from us. Then the fourth thing that's here, it's evident, is the corruption of the flesh. And uh, he nailed the corruption of the flesh. Now, verse 11 says, In whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also are ye risen with him to the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, a lot of times people misunderstand this because they think the Bible's talking about flesh. It's talking about our human bodies. The Bible, when he's talking about the flesh, he's not talking about our human bodies. He's talking about uh, that old sinful nature that's inside of every one of us. And even after we're saved, that old nature's still there. Whatever you feed is what's going to come out. If you want to, I mean, all you got to do is just, uh, just put in the things, and what comes out is what you put in. Garbage in, garbage out. Or you can put godliness in, and godliness comes out. But, but, but he's talking about the old sinful nature. Galatians 5.24 says this, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Now, if your flesh is out of control, uncrucified, I want to tell you, you have every reason to ask yourself tonight, have I really been twice born? Have I really been saved? Because if you've been saved, you're going to control your flesh. Doesn't mean you're never going to sin. It's not, that's not what he's talking about at all here. But I'm talking about people who just literally live an uncrucified life that literally do anything. Then you have real reason to doubt yourself and say, look, I wonder if I ever truly was saved and born again. Uh, it's what baptism in verse 12, buried with him in baptism, verse 12 says. What does that mean? 
Well, uh, you give your heart to Jesus. They take you up here in the baptistry, and they put you in that pool of water. Why? Because the old person died. That's what baptism represents. When you bury that person down, you're burying that old person. You're dying with Christ. And let me tell you, here's a good part. If you're going to die with him, you're going to be raised with him too. That's the good part. And so, uh, literally, fifth thing, the control of the devil is nailed to the cross. He he, uh, blotted out the handwriting of ordinances there, uh, but he said, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. When he talks about principalities and powers, he's talking about Satan. He's talking about the demons of of this world here. Ephesians 6 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Oh, that we could understand that. Oh, it's hard to understand. People are not our enemies. People who are living in sin in America here, they're not our enemies. The devil is our enemy. We're wrestling against flesh and, and not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities there. So uh, the devil thought he was destroying Jesus on the cross. But Hebrews 2.14, as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, that's Jesus, took part of the same. He became flesh and blood. Now watch this. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That's the devil. So I'm telling you, when Jesus was nailed to that cross, he nailed Satan to that cross too. His power's gone over us. He's nailed to the cross. His back's broken. In fact, literally, it means Jesus just made an idiot out of him. And he's thinking all the time, hey, Jesus is finished. And Jesus said, oh, no, the plan of salvation's finished. You finished, devil. You're finished. Let me give you the last thing. The conquest of death. It was nailed to the cross. His death, Jesus, the death of death, buried with him in baptism, wherein you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. When Jesus nailed Satan to the cross, he also nailed death to the cross. Death, where's that sting? It's not there anymore. It's not there, not for the child of God. He's dying, and, and uh, he, you say, well, no. According to the word of God, he's ever living. That's right. He died on the cross, was put in that tomb, but three days later he arose, and he's alive today. And uh, the the devil is basically out of business. So between the things that are nailed on the cross, let me just sum it up here. We don't have to be a slave to sin anymore. It's been nailed to the cross. We don't have to be condemned by the law. The law's not a curse to us anymore. Jesus nailed the law to the cross. We don't have to be conformed by this world because Jesus nailed that to the cross, the, the, the world. We don't have to be motivated by the flesh because Jesus took literally the flesh and nailed it to the cross. And so we don't have to be bullied by the devil. I don't know about you, but the devil sometimes has a real heyday with me. And then I don't have to be intimidated by death because of Jesus. You know, you get older. Hey, Lord, <laughs> maybe I'm just getting crazy in my old age. I, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm just afraid of how I'm going to die. You know, I mean, I, I, just, I just tell you, man, I, I, uh, I have no problem. If somebody comes in here with a gun and says, you either denounce Christ or I'm okay, 
Go ahead. I had no problem with that. I just have a problem with laying up somewhere in a hospital or something somewhere for months and years hooked up to that. I'm just telling you, I have a problem with that. And that's one of my great prayers every night. God, please don't let that happen. As the old boy said, I want to die like, like my grandfather died uh, while he was driving the car, just calm and serene, not like all the other passengers in the car. Uh, that's how I want to die. <laughs> they were all screaming and hollering, but I, I want to die serenely. But we may not have that option. But here, here's the question I want to ask you tonight. <clears throat> You've got a piece of white paper there. And the pens are around. If you don't have one, raise your hand. We'll get you one in just a moment. Uh, that white paper right over there. Yeah, there we go. Uh, let me just ask you this. And you may, be, you may be so spiritually inept that none of this bothers you. But let me ask you something. Is there some sin that's haunting you? I mean, you've already asked God to forgive you. But every time you turn around, that ghost of that sin comes back. Man, I mean, you, you say, Lord, I've already asked for forgiveness. But that sin, that ghost of that sin keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And you say, oh, I'm, not just, I'm just not living up to the law. Is, is there some worldly attraction that's pulling you away? Is there some fleshly lust that's working on you is there some power of the devil controlling you or the fear of death what we're going to do is you're going to take that card if there is i'm going to go up here and i'm going to play some music and uh just softly and we're going to end our service you're going to take that card and uh write on it what is bothering you what's the ghost of the sin i mean i'm gonna be honest with you until we get our heart really clean before god God's never going to be able to use us. He doesn't use dirty vessels. And there may not be anything. may not be anything. Just praise the Lord. But if there's something that just keeps hounding you and keeps coming up and keeps coming up, I want you to write that down. And we're not going to come up here and nail it to the cross because that cross wouldn't hold a nail. We're going to just come up here and you fold it. Don't put no name on it. It doesn't mean nothing. But you're just going to bring it to that cross right there. And, and fold that thing and lay it down and maybe just say whack devil you're whacked you don't have any more power over me devil the sin i've asked forgiveness for this sin and jesus i think sometimes god's up in heaven just saying what in the world are you talking about i mean we've asked forgiveness of sin and then the devil brings it back up and then we ask lord please forgive us again and the devil's saying, and, and the Lord's saying, well, what are you talking about? I've already forgiven you then. I've forgiven you of your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin. That's the freedom we have in Christ. But if there's just something there that's just on you, I want you to write it down and then come up here and just say, whack, I'm giving it to the cross. I'm nailing it to the cross. I'm going to walk out of here a free person. The devil's not going to have control over me. I'm not going to be haunted by this sin. Jesus has forgiven me of that sin. He's nailed that sin to the cross. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and I'm not going to let the devil have any more influence over my life. Father, I pray right now that this would be a time when, Lord, we just deal with you individually. God, I thank you for the fact that you have forgiven us of our sin. You said if we would confess our sin, you would be faithful 
and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I pray tonight that this group of people right here, Lord, we could leave this sanctuary knowing that we're free, that we're redeemed, that there's nothing that can have a hold on us because we've been, all of our sins, all of the law, all of the Satan, all of death has been nailed to the cross. And we've been buried with him and we shall rise with him in newness of life. God, would you just speak to our hearts now? Just in the quietness, when, when you get through, you're free to go. Uh, but uh, you just pray about what God would have you do.